2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com Good morning! Yeah yeah
3: It's time to wake up <laughs> It's five Live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on.
4: Yes, sir! family Stephen Langford in with you hope you had a terrific weekend we got a lot to get into on this Monday it's going to be a heavy warrior show today because I do want to talk about game four the Warriors end up losing the Nuggets avoid the sweep And now we move on to Wednesday, you come back home, you try and take care of business at home after giving up the one game in Denver. Let's remember, just because they didn't sweep, doesn't mean they're out of the playoffs. That's what it felt like it was yesterday, as I'm scrolling through social media, and the Warriors lose Game 4, but... There's a lot to pick from this game, and I do want to break it down. The The inbounds play that ended up in the turnover, which everyone is up in arms about, and a couple of other issues facing the Warriors, and some positives, and I think we can conclude some minutes with the starting roster after what happened in yesterday's game, but... The Nuggets, you got to give them credit for the way they played. All thrown to Morris, checked by
3: Clay Thompson. He's got five fouls. Shot clock down to 10, gate clock at 18. Warriors down 123-121. Here comes Morris off a Jokic tag screen. Back to Jokic, leaves his feet, feeds Will Barton for a quarter three. It's good. Timeout, Warriors. And they're down by five with 7.9 seconds
4: remaining. Will Barton, his second three-make of the night, and it is huge. On damn near the same exact play with Monte Morris earlier in the season when Monte Morris hit the game-winner, Draymond was out of the game. It was off of the inbounds play, and Jokic was the one who was initiating everything. And the Warriors helped a little too much, left a man open in the corner, Will Barton, and he ended up hitting that three. But it wasn't just Will Barton who was hitting threes. Bones Highland had that stretch in the first half where he was just knocking down everything. Bones Highland was going for the heat check. I got a lot of respect for the rookie with his time off the bench. He's going to make his presence felt in these playoffs. And for him to try and heat check the Warriors, I give him a lot of credit for that. So shout out to Bones Highland. Mo- Monte Morris was awesome in yesterday's game. He had 24 points, but he knocked down five three-pointers and a lot of them came in that third quarter and then also in that in and, and just in the second half in general. And he also got to the free throw line five times. He was effective in yesterday's game. You got to give him credit there. Jokic was Jokic. 37 points on 21 shots. And you would have thought with the amount of fouls that were called in yesterday's game, and believe me, we're going to get to the foul trouble for the Warriors. Uh, But Jokic only went to the free throw line six times. So 37 of his points. They were legit points. He also added on six assists and eight rebounds in total uh, to that number. So Jokic with a big day. Aaron Gordon continues to stay aggressive. He had 21 points on the night, but he had 13 free throw attempts and knocked down 10 of them. Aaron Gordon was just constantly getting to the line yesterday. Um but I give them credit for the way that they played. They fought hard. I thought that you know, and and really I still think this with Nuggets fans, I think the fans in Colorado have kind of moved on from thinking about the Nuggets You know, sure, they got a Game 4 in Denver. All right, cool, but they're down 3-0. We're focused on hockey now. Colorado people, they're Avs fans. They're Avalanche fans. They're paying attention to the Avs, who are... uh, The last time I looked, they were number one in the Western Conference in the NHL. So they got some high hopes for the Avs. And I felt like the team... I didn't think they gave up, but I thought the team would just kind of roll over and say, all right, whatever, we're ready for vacation. But they didn't. I got to give them a lot of credit. And I think we all should. I mean, from three, they were 15 of 31 overall, which is 48%, which is fantastic. And then from the field, they shot 56%. So they were awesome. And you compare that to the Warriors, who shot 35%. But let's get to the specific play here, because I thought the positives from the Warriors... Clay Thompson has looked fantastic. Now, he had 31 minutes in yesterday's game, and I don't know if anyone expected him to get 31 minutes because he got four fouls in the first half. They had to sit him for the rest of the second quarter. That's why you saw some extended time for Jonathan Kaminga for the first time in these playoffs. He essentially played from the 11-minute mark in the second quarter all the way till the half. Because all these guys were in foul trouble, but Clay Thompson still thirty-two points on twenty shots, seven of eleven shooting. Steph, Steph started off cold, and really the, the the issue with fouling here is that you're ruining the rotations. So the fact that Clay got into foul trouble very early on in the game, they ended up having to switch him out early for Steph. Steph wasn't even ready. He was on a stationary bike in the locker room. The way that Anthony Slater put it, 95.7 Warriors insider, he said that Steph Curry ran onto the court WWE style because it was not planned that he'd be coming in as early as he did, and he got off to uh, a slow start. I believe he missed his first three threes. Now, he finished 3 of 11 uh, on the night, but still had 33 points and got to the line 14 times and knocked down 10 of them uh, with the amount of free throws that he was missing, by the way. It felt like he missed half of them uh, just because, you know, Steph, free throw struggles, not used to it. But to look at the positives in this game, Andrew Wiggins had 20 points. On 16 shots, and we're focusing a lot on that inbounds play that was. But you know what? Let me let's get to the or let's get to the highlight first of what happened because I did not think the Warriors were going to be in this game down to the very end. Um, I thought when the Nuggets got up early that first half, there was so much. Going on with foul trouble. It started with the Draymond Green poked eye at the beginning when they actually set a pretty nice trap on Nikola Jokic. Unfortunately, Draymond's finger had met Jokic's eye, and then the refs were looking out the entire, uh, the the rest of the game for fouls. Like they were clearly uh, on their toes there. But the Warriors kept coming back. Steph Curry was just unbelievable. There are some shots of Steph when he was driving to the basket in the final minutes of the game, and there was a slow-mo shot where he was just at the top of the key, and he was trying to get the switch, because that's what he was doing. He was just getting Jokic to switch onto him, and then he would just burn him. That's what he would do. That was the plan. He'd just go right by him, because Jokic is not quick enough to catch up to him, and if he tries to, then he's going to foul him, so he needs the help. But there was a slow-mo shot where Rivers is covering, uh, I believe it was Andrew Wiggins who was in the corner, and Rivers is just standing there watching Steph as he's going up to the hoop uncontested. It made me laugh. It made me laugh. But they managed to cut it close. Steph comes in with an unbelievable floater, gets the and-one because of Aaron Gordon, knocks down the free throw, makes it a tie game, then the Warriors get the turnover on the Nuggets inbound, then Steph makes another jumper to make it 121 to 19. Then Jokic goes in for the easy layup, ties it at 121-121. But here's where it gets interesting because the Warriors even though they get the uh they they get Klay Thompson open, they get him a good look which they were getting him all night. Andrew Wiggins was so close to getting the put back. If he would have knocked that one down, that dunk, it was 42 seconds left when the game was tied. If he would have knocked that in, I think we would have been having a totally different story because that would have forced a lot of pressure on the Nuggets. But what happened was, Kevon Looney comes into the game after that missed dunk because there's a timeout. Then Monte Morris ends up making a jumper. Then there's another timeout. Otto Porter Jr. comes back into the game for Kavon Looney. So now the game is 123-121 to 121 to the Nuggets. And then this happened on the inbound.
3: Porter Jr. will toss it in, left of the Nuggets bench. A screen for Curry, lobbed to Wiggins, bad pass, turned it over. You don't foul here. Gordon over to Rivers. Rivers looks around and hands off to Morrison for A turnover at the
4: absolute worst time. So you had that bad pass turnover that was a lob. Now you see Nikola Jokic, if you were watching the national broadcast, you see Nikola Jokic pointing, pointing at Austin Rivers, telling him that there is going to be a lob to Wiggins. Now why does Jokic know that? Because there was a specific play from earlier in the season, and wait till you hear this, because this, th- the amount of studying that goes into this, when I was talking at the beginning of the show about giving the Nuggets credit, I give them a lot of credit for how this worked out. Now, we'll get to what Steve Kerr had to say about it after the game, because he basically said that if he would if he could have changed the play, he would go back and change it. But there's some history with this type of inbounds play, and you got to give the Nuggets a lot of credit for being able to read it. We'll get to that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, ninety-five seven. The game.
3: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game.
4: Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you. Hope you are having a terrific Monday morning. I know it's tough losing game four. You want to see a sweep. But like a lot of us, because really, I, I give you credit here to the Xfinity mobile text line and the callers who called in, because anyone who calls Warrior fans cocky or delusional, like Kenny Smith did on TNT way back earlier on in the season, calling Warrior fans delusional, not on the pregame show. We're reasonable. I didn't see anybody calling for a sweep. I didn't see that at all. You know what? We had respect for the Nuggets, and we felt like They could get one game from the Warriors. (laughs) Just one. Because of Mike Malone and Nikola Jokic. And they got that one game in Denver. It's tough on the road. But they're coming back for Game 5 on Wednesday. And Chase Center is going to be insane. It was really cool seeing those shots of Thrive City. You know, seeing those side-by-side shots. I've missed that. Just the overall... Feeling of playoff basketball, we haven't been able to experience it these past couple of years. You know, watching. Uh, oh, damn it! What's it called at uh, in Milwaukee? What do they call that for the Bucks? It's like Deer City or something. I'm getting that totally wrong. Someone can help me out there. I think the, is it the Deer District? Someone can help me out with that one. But uh, seeing Thrive City yesterday, seeing all the fans out there, that was really cool. Just outside of Chase Center. But the Warriors ended up losing this game because they got to foul trouble early. And it led to some bench rotations that Steve Kerr wasn't ready for. Jonathan Kaminga had to come and clean things up. He was in at the beginning of the second quarter. Had 11 minutes, his first 11 minutes in the playoffs because of the foul trouble early in this game. Steph had to come in earlier than normal, but he started to pick things up at the end of the game. So there are some positives there. But I give the Nuggets a lot of credit. Now, I know that this play that I'm going to play for you here, when the Warriors were storming back, really Steph Curry was, it was unbelievable the amount of space they were able to open for Steph so he could just drive down the lane. But there were also some miscues on defense. For example, when Morris made that floater, to make it 123-121 to 121 prior to this play that I'm about to, to, to go with here. The Monte Morris floater, they were giving all their attention there to Jokic. And instead of maybe getting the guy with the ball, Looney was face guarding Jokic and Monte Morris took advantage of it goes up for the basket cuz they weren't fu- they weren't they weren't ready for anyone else but Jokic to have the ball in their hands especially with the way that Jokic was scoring. It didn't feel like he could miss anything yesterday. The same thing kind of with Draymond when he shoot when he makes a 3, when Jokic makes a 3, that just gets everybody going insane. But Monte Morris has had a fantastic game. They left him open for the layup and or for the floater, excuse me, and it's 123 to 121. But then the Warriors call a timeout. And there are 33 seconds left here as the timeout is called. And there's an inbounds play. Otto Porter Jr. is the one inbounding the ball. Now, you do have Steph on the floor as well as Clay. You do not have Draymond out there because, as we know, Draymond fouled out with about two minutes left into the game. At the end of the game, excuse me. So there's an inbounds play here. And they tried to go to Wiggins on the lob. Gordon Jr.
3: will toss it in, left of the Nuggets bench. They screen for Curry, lobbed to Wiggins, bad pass, turned it over. You don't have foul here. Gordon over to Rivers, Rivers looks around, and hands off to Morrison for a turnover at the absolute
4: worst time. And I understand all the criticism that comes Steve Kerr's way with this one, because even Steve Kerr, after the game, said that if he, if he could take that one back, and do it over, he would. I would like that play call back, frankly. There's 33
0: seconds, so we're thinking a two-for-one. If we get a two-for-one, then you know we can tie the game and have a chance to win it at the end. So it's a good two-for-one situation, but the lob wasn't there. If I could do it over again, I'd probably draw up something different. But they made a great defensive play and give them credit.
4: Now, I understand everyone who's saying, look, man, you got Steph, you got Clay on the floor, and with the way that those guys are shooting, you got to get the ball in their hands but you got to give the nuggets a lot of credit for being able to read that play because Kerr was trying to go with I mean that's the obvious right is to us we're sitting there going you have Stephen Clay on the court you should probably get the ball to those uh, to those two and i'm sure Steve Kerr thought in his head with the nuggets well, the Nuggets are thinking the same thing that the fans are thinking. You got Stephen Clay on the court. The ball's probably going to be going to them. So Kerr overthunk it. But it's not like this play hasn't worked before. Let me take you back. Let's go in a little time machine, a little time capsule, a little hot tub time machine. Back to January 20th of this year, 2022. So we're still within the same year, not going back that far. Only a few months. But I go back to January 20th of 2022, when the Warriors were undermanned in a game against the Indiana Pacers, when it was neck and neck, and the Warriors needed a bucket. I believe the score was 121-117, to and there was an inbounds play with about a minute and a half left. And this happened.
3: Iguodala nice. lob to Wiggins. A catch and the convert Ooh. right at the rim. A beautifully done shot
4: by Wiggins and an equally good pass from Iguodala. So Iguodala was on the inbound. Andrew Wiggins goes up for the lob. They have the lob open. And he knocks it down. So this play has worked before. And excuse me, 121-117 to 117 was actually the final of that game. Uh, so nevertheless... It was an inbounds play in overtime, Pacers and Warriors. In the Nuggets, because you saw this on the TNT broadcast, you saw, or excuse me, the ESPN broadcast, you saw Jokic, they had the camera directly on him. Shout out to whoever was directing the broadcast. They, you know, they did the, uh, ready camera two, camera two, Jokic, camera two, take two. That's how directors do it. But Jokic is calling for the lob. To Wiggins, he sees it, and they credited that to their studying of this team in late game situations. So they're looking at this inbounds play, and that one specifically back when they're playing Indiana in overtime, and they called the lob for the Wiggins. uh, For to they called the lob for Wiggins, and they played it perfectly. Austin Rivers played it perfectly. And we always want to rip our own team, you know, we always want to, to we, we don't want to give the other team credit, we always want to blame somebody here, so naturally Steve Kerr is the scapegoat. And then we all somehow convince ourselves that Kerr is terrible at drawing up inbounds plays, which is contrary to what is now popular belief after that game yesterday, popular belief among social media that Steve Kerr doesn't know how to drop an inbounds play. Sure, he overthunk it, but this play has worked before. And granted, I do understand it. That game against the Pacers, it was a game at the end of January. You did not have Steph and Clay on the court at the same time. But I could understand where Steve Kerr's thinking was, but the Nuggets were just too smart for it. They really were. And I give them a lot of credit. That's really... That's what the key was when we were talking about this series. It's like, you know, I don't think the the Nuggets have the manpower to beat the Warriors. I think the Warriors are a lot deeper in terms of their roster. But the Nuggets can win a game just based off of Mike Malone and Nikola Jokic because of how smart they both are. And they did yesterday. And they did. And they had some fantastic performances Bones Highland off the bench in the first half was going insane. I mean, when they got the lead up to 17, Bones Highland couldn't miss anything. And it's not just the one play exactly, 4 They didn't lose because of that play. The reason that they lost was because of the early foul trouble. They had 27 in total compared to the Nuggets. Uh, 31, actually. The, the Nuggets ended up having more fouls, but... There was a signif- There was significantly more earlier on in the game for the Warriors, and they impacted the big time players. You know, Clay getting into foul trouble early led to Steph having to run out the tunnel off the stationary bike. Draymond getting into foul trouble at the end of the game. You know, you're not able to play as physical as you want to. You got to be careful with all of that. So, really, it's the foul trouble to me. That was ultimately why they lost, but we're always focused so much on, uh, we're always focused so much on these one specific play that we just crushed Steve Kerr. But I give the Nuggets credit for, for reading that play, man. I really do. Steve Kerr, after the game, uh, just said the Nuggets were more aggressive, but they were also more disciplined. They were more physical
0: with him tonight, for sure. Gordon got into him, and that's to be expected at this point. Jordan has uh, made a name for himself around the league, and uh, he's played so well. So teams are going to start throwing a lot of stuff at him, including you know physicality and trying to get under his skin a little bit. So good experience for Jordan. He's got to go through it to feel it, and then he'll respond in Game 5.
4: And I like the way that Draymond put it after the game, talking about a tough loss like this. We
5: weren't able to get out in transition. They were at the free throw line all night, playing against a set defense the whole time. That's hard for any team. So, you know, that's a big part of the game plan. I think we did a great job of it in the first few games. Terrible tonight, but came on the road, one one,
4: go finish it at home. From Tony C. in San Jose, the play was fine. It should have been Iggy making the throw, uh, but... They had Porter on instead from the four, but not Skinny Arms Porter. Skinny Arms Porter? He doesn't have skinny arms. I don't think so, at least. But Andre Iguodala was also in foul trouble, too. Like He had five fouls in his 13 minutes on the floor. So they had to do something. The foul trouble was ultimately what cost them the game, although they're is something that we can draw from it because Steve Kerr talked about it just then in that clip I played from him, but how aggressive they were playing Jordan Poole. Now, Jordan Poole led the team in minutes, but I personally think it's time to make the switch. What that switch is, we'll get to that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 of the game.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's
4: Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you. Been talking a lot of warriors to start the show. And from the 415 at the Xfinity Mobile text line, this is depressing. Can we talk about something less depressing like the Debo drama? Isn't that more depressing to talk about? What the hell happened over the weekend with Debo? I mean, you got that report, which we'll talk more about tomorrow. I'm not going to get totally into it. But the Jets are willing to trade the number 10 overall pick in order to acquire Debo Samuel. That was the report that surfaced over the weekend. Now, granted, how much to make of that report, I really don't know. This was from a guy named Tony Pauline, who works for the Pro Football Network, who has been wrong before, but you never know with these guys anymore. I'm not going to say anybody's wrong about anything. After uh, Bobby Thompson had that report about Debo and how he wants out of San Francisco. And then he also had that Instagram video where they're in a club... It looks like a club, and then a 49er fan has the—it uh, was like the bottle service girls are coming out, and they're holding a sign that says Debo's staying with the 49ers, and the camera pans over to Debo, and he's, you know, given the—what the, giving the uh, what's it? What would you call it? The kill that gesture. The nah. You know, the—I the, I wish I could explain it. You know, the hand across the neck, that motion— like, nah, 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 no, don't even, don't do that, man. So everyone's going crazy. Everyone's saying, Debo, gone. Debo, gone. As we head into the draft here, which starts on Thursday, the 28th. We'll get more into that tomorrow. I don't know what the hell's going to go on with Debo Samuel. And already, the phones are ringing to talk about Debo Samuel. Not today. Not today, because there was a Game 4 that happened yesterday in Denver, and If you called in because of Debo, I'm sorry. We'll get to Debo tomorrow. But I want to talk more about the Warriors here and that loss. Because there's a lot to to pick from it. Went through that last inbound play in the last segment. That inbound play that ended up in a turnover. They tried lobbing it to Andrew Wiggins. And Andrew Wiggins... Got pickpocketed by Austin Rivers. Not really pickpocketed. He was more Austin Rivers, just read the read the pass and 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 stole it for a turnover. And then subsequently the Nuggets would go on to hit a three from Will Barton, which was the dagger. Now the inbounds play we took a focus on. And just to reiterate my point for the new crowd coming in, on that specific turnover, I understand that Kerr made a mistake. But I kind of understand where he's coming from. Because everyone is saying, Stephen Clay, you have Stephen Clay on the court, you get the ball in the hands of Stephen Clay, of two of the greatest shooters that we have ever seen. But instead, you try and lob it to Wiggins. Well, don't you think the Nuggets coaches are thinking that same thing? Like, hey, Stephen Clay, pretty important that we got to try and get them. But from their film study, based on their film study, they could tell that the ball was not going to Stephen Clay; that it was going to be a lob for Wiggins because of a game, specifically from the, against the Pacers on January twentieth of twenty twenty two, where they ran that exact same play, and it was successful. It was just an Andrew Wiggins lob, and nobody paid any mind to it. It's funny, the different reactions we get. I don't remember ever hearing uh, reactions uh, after that game about how Steve Kerr's so good at drawing up inbounds plays. No, it was, wow, man, Andrew Wiggins really staying aggressive. But then when an inbounds play happens like this, it's, oh, Steve Kerr's a terrible coach. What kind of play is he running there? And again, I'll play this one more time. He said that if he could over, if he could redo it, he would. I would like that play call back. Frankly, there's 33 seconds, so we're thinking a two for
0: one. If we get a two for one, then you know we can tie the game and have a chance to win it at the end. So it's a good two for one situation. But the lob wasn't there. If I could do it over again, I'd probably drop something different. But they made a great defensive play and give them credit.
4: Now, there's one guy that I do want to focus on, though, because besides that inbounds play. Really, it was them getting into foul trouble early, the refs just calling everything. It lasted forever, didn't it? I mean, it was uh, the game had already been going on for over two hours, and we still had three minutes left in the third quarter. I'm like, what is going on? Everybody was getting a foul call. And, and you know, the Nuggets weren't exempt of it. The Nuggets had more total fouls on the game than the Warriors did. But more of the prominent players for the Warriors were in foul trouble early compared to the Nuggets. But there is one player that I want to focus on, and that is the one and only Steph Curry.
3: Three minutes gone by in the fourth. Pool stops. Crossover dribbles, Can't make a move. Curry gets it. Near sideline. Off a screen by Andre. They'll double Curry. He'll fire anyway. Good! And he got fouled! Curry hits the three to make it 104-97. Curry curly at 28 minutes tonight.
4: That and... One by Curry it was sick. The celebration—it's a new celebration, one that I haven't seen in a while. Where he's squatting and giving you the four, one, two, three, four, drive into the drive into the rack consistently. It was just—it was simple. Get a screen, get the switch, get Jokic on him, and then blow by. Him. Like that was the game plan at the end of the game for Steph, and it was working. Everything was working there. But Steph came into the game cold because of that foul trouble with Klay Thompson. Instead of the normal rotations that they have in these games, you'll notice at the start that they'll sub out Klay and Looney for uh, for Otto Porter and Steph, but they normally do that uh, with six minutes left in the first quarter. That's really what they've been doing. Uh, but they had to get Steph in much earlier than that, due to the two fouls on Clay earlier on in that game. But Steph was awesome down the stretch. Now, my question to you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero: Do you want to see Steph start from here on out? Do you want to see Steph start? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Because you had the first game where Jordan Poole has come back down to life. In his 39 minutes, Jordan Poole that is, he only had 11 points on 10 shots. And he only made 1 of 5 of his 3's. He was 4 of 4 from the three free throw line. And he also added on 9 assists. Because Steph and Clay, they were getting some open looks. I actually thought, overall as a team, I thought the Warriors were moving the ball well. Sometimes they were making too much. They were trying to do too much. They were making that extra, extra pass that really you could deem unnecessary at the end of a possession. When you got the shot clock winding down and you force up something that isn't there, that's because one too many passes were made. But I thought they were moving the ball uh, pretty well yesterday. Constantly swinging it around the three-point line, trying to turn a good shot into a great shot. But they played Jordan Poole as aggressive as they've played him in this series. And I do wonder if that wrist is starting to bother him to the point where it's impacting his gameplay. Because that last game, you saw the heat pad on there. Now, he was fine after that. I mean, he just, I mean, the, the, the following play when he came in, he just went straight to the hoop and, you know, got fouled, trying to go for a dunk. So I mean, we we saw him just come right back, but yesterday we saw him holding on to that other wrist, and it feels like we have seen Poole constantly holding his wrist after these plays. It really gets you nervous, you know. I, every single game this series, you could point to one possession where Kerr or where uh, where Poole, excuse me, was just holding on to his wrist in wrist and discomfort, and I wonder if that's starting to impact them here. Now, you got a couple of days off, you come back for game five, whatever. But I think my overall point is with the way that Steph was playing off the bench, it seems like he's back now. That he has recovered. Now, I don't know if they want to bring him off the bench for the sole reason of getting him a little more warmed up. Again, with Clay and those early fouls. Steph wasn't ready. He wasn't even out on the bench by the time Clay was coming out of the game. They had to call for him back in the tunnel. As Anthony Slater put it, it was WWE style the way that Steph uh, came in. But I want him to start just to avoid any sort of confusion like that again. Because it threw all of the rotations out of whack. And throughout the game, I don't think Steve Kerr... I think they were trying to mix and match... They were experimenting, which is not something you really want to do uh, in, a, in, a, in a game where, you know, you want to sweep the series and give yourself some time off. But with the way that Steph has played lately, with how efficient he's been off the bench, I mean, he had 37 minutes, so really, how much does it matter? But we're getting texts here, like at triple eight nine We're getting a text, where was it? From the 925... I knew in the first three minutes that they would lose. Well, in the first three minutes, if it makes that much of a difference, then you need to start Steph. Because I agree. Now, I again, I'm not down on the series. I'm not thinking, oh, this series is over. As a matter of fact, I came away from this weekend very encouraged. Right now, the Pelicans are taking it to the Suns who don't have Devin Booker. That series is tied at 2-2. The Timberwolves and Grizzlies, their series is tied at 2-2. They could be playing all the way till Sunday. And the Warriors could close this thing out on Wednesday and still have a few days rest. I know it's not exactly going to be a week and some change It might be five, six days, depending on whichever game it's going to be. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be on the uh, second or the third when the second round starts. I was actually looking all over for that this morning and uh, couldn't find it. So I don't know if it's going to be the the second, which is a Monday. I don't know if it's going to be the third, the fourth, whatever. Uh, It should be around that start time. But these other teams in the Western Conference are working themselves. They really are. And the Warriors are going to be very well-rested by the time this series is over. I want them to get this thing done in five. So I'm not totally down on the series in general, which a lot of people think I am. But there were some issues in that game, and I just think I'm ready to see Steph start. Now, does that mean relegating Jordan Poole to the bench? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to have to, because Andrew Wiggins has been very impactful, I think, in this series. It's not just his on-ball defense, but it's his help defense. The help defense that he's not even getting credit for. And he's also been grabbing rebounds. He didn't exactly do it at a rate like he did in the first couple of games, where he's averaging eight and a half, but he still grabbed six of them yesterday. Three of them defensive, three of them offensive. That's huge for Andrew Wiggins. He was averaging 3-4 to four during the regular season. So I think that he's shown that he's more aggressive now. And Jordan Poole, I think that he could be even more effective coming off the bench. Because again, it doesn't mean that you're going to be giving him limited minutes. It doesn't mean, oh yeah, you're going to be getting him in in the, in the six minutes left in the first quarter, and then six minutes left in the half. Six minutes left in the third, six minutes left in the fourth. It doesn't mean that at all. I just think it gives you more of a safety blanket right out of the gate. And I just want to see Steph start at this point with the way that Steph's been playing. And I don't think the Nuggets will be ready for that in Game 5. What do you think? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the... Xfinity Mobile Text Line and the phone number from the 408 or excuse me from the 510. Why not start the death lineup, nice guy? That's from Oreo Cookie. Well, for the exact reason they lost yesterday, you saw those big men just going after the death lineup. I give Mike Malone, again, we said, and I wonder if Tamir in Oakland is is awake and listening right now. Tamir in Oakland, if you're a if you're out there. I very much agreed with you when you texted in. We were, we were in lockstep with each other because he texted in at the Xfinity mobile text line that the Warriors can win in five, but the Nuggets will get one just because of Mike Malone and Nikola Jokic. And I think that Mike Malone, in yesterday's game, he won that one. Because when the Warriors went small... He brought out DeMarcus Cousins and just kept getting the ball to DeMarcus Cousins. That's how he was running his offense. It's just, hey, we got Cousins on Iguodala. Get Cousins on Iguodala. They have been letting letting him eat in the paint. They've really made a concerted effort to do that. So my worry would be those guys get into foul trouble early from the death lineup, Oreo Cookie, and then you're not able to play it. As much during the game, like yesterday, you were able to get that de- that small ball lineup there. Really, in the final eight minutes of the game, you had that luxury. Even though Draymond and Clay were in foul trouble, uh, both of them, Andre Iguodala definitely impacted. And then Draymond ends up fouling out, so you don't want them to have You don't want that to happen right out the gate because teams would just go at him with big men. That would be my worry there. All right, let's go to the phones here. 888-957-9570. As you know, can't can't screen them unless I'm going to commercial break. So I take your calls live on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Sam Bruno. Yeah, what's your name? Sean. Sean and Sam Bruno. All right, man. What do you got? So
5: I definitely, I got a couple reasons why I like it. Like if it's not broke, don't necessarily fix it. And I know they lost that last game, but I don't think that what they're doing is broken. And I'm not saying that you're saying that either, but right. I just think that Steph Curry coming off the bench is just such a gut punch for anything in the NBA, especially if Jordan Poole continues to play at a Steph Curry type of caliber. And I think that just because of his maturity, And, you know, just being the veteran and the teammate that he is, I mean, I think that he comes off the bench unlike any other player, any other best six-man ever, and it's just like such a mental drain when you know you got to chase Poole all around the floor, and then when Curry comes in, you got to chase him all around the floor. And I think just over the accumulation of a game, the fatigue factor starts to wear on the team, and I think that... It started wearing on the, uh, the Denver Nuggets actually yesterday too, because the Warriors. If you watch that game, they were down by like about eight to ten points for most of that game until the fourth quarter. The fatigue factor, and Denver played. I think that was their best. That was their best punch. The, the Warriors took their best shot. So I don't think they're going to be able to repeat that again. And I'm just like, let's. I like this experiment. Let's keep it going. We could bring the depth line up in. You know, but I think they'll just start the depth line up, like you said. I think mm. they'll just get, eventually, like they just get granted out by the big man. That's all I got
4: there. All right, I appreciate your phone call, man. Thank you so much, Sean. All right, AAA-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. But the thing is, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll get to this after, because I do want to play I, I do want to play uh, some of this Kerr sound, talking about, uh, talking about Steph as well as Kaminga but Steph was going off in the second half right he was and let me let me pull these up here I want to make sure that I got I got this pulled up and I want to make sure I got this right but in the first quarter so far Steph is shooting 27% from three this is in the playoffs here so far it's not not that many games not that big of a sample size but coming off the bench this is what he's been doing in the first quarter He's only made one out of his three three-point attempts, twenty-seven percent. If you're really dialing down to the uh, down to the decimal, and he's got a net rating of minus three point three when he's on the court so far, and that's per game. He's not been looking as good as he normally does in the first quarter, and he's only shooting thirty percent. And it seems like he's been getting off to these sluggish starts. Now, of course, those numbers, you don't have that large of a sample size, right? We've only been through four games, and we all know what happened in that first game. But in in yesterday's, it didn't help either. But it just feels like if you start Curry, you get him going right away. Right away! And then you don't have to worry about it, and Jordan Poole can come off the bench. I think... Personally, I'm I'm ready for that to happen. If you are, feel free to text in at 888 Or you could text in these little witty texts that I like getting every now and then. From the 408 Langford. is Aaron Gordon. Fake tough guy that doesn't want the smoke with Draymond in the dubs. Aaron Gordon, man. San Jose's own. He actually had a, a, a nice couple of games in Denver. We'll see if that continues when they come back to Chase Center because he did not look good in those first two games. Actually, whenever he—I mean—he knocked down that mid-range shot in the second half, and I give him credit there. But the first shot that he took in that game, it was like a—it was like a turnaround jumper, and he barely even made it to the rim. It looked like he was shooting a medicine ball. Uh, but Aaron Gordon, he wants to smoke, man. <laughs> he really does. Uh, but Steph, after the game, I will say that he only made ten of his fourteen free throws. I've never heard Steph say the word hate in a post-game presser, but he talked about missing free throws. I hate it.
5: It's the worst feeling in the world because it's what I, what I do with it really well. Uh, the misses were all in and outs pretty much. So two front rims, two in and out. So I know what to, to correct on that, but I'm glad I got there You know, 14 times, which speaks to how I'm feeling
4: physically, just trying to be aggressive. <laughs> so we've already had the conversation about whether Jordan Poole should start taking technicals. I don't know about that. But when Steph misses free throws it's like the world comes crashing down It stops for just a second the world stops turning for a split second when Steph misses a free throw and then when he misses two in a row it's like what? what happened? but look Steph was awesome at the at the end of the game Clay Thompson continues to look better and better. We haven't even talked about Clay Thompson really and whether his injury how much that's been impacting him. To me it's just he's really letting the game come to him and he's finding an open spot. I mean he was deadly from the right wing yesterday. There was actually a couple of turnovers uh where I thought the ball could have gotten to Clay, where Clay was just where it looked like he was open. Maybe he wasn't and maybe that's just me reading it wrong in real time. But it felt like there were a couple more of those turnovers where they weren't really forced, and it could have gotten Clay an open shot. Clay has been on fire, and it's been a lot of fun to see. So shout out to him. Shout out to Steph. I think they'll bounce back in uh, in in Game Five, and they'll take this. They're facing the Timberwolves or the Grizzlies, who are currently at two two in their series. It could be going a possible seven. So, even if it's not the amount of rest that you wanted, because, of course, you'd want it to end on Sunday, and then the Warriors would have to wait uh, until next week to play their game, a week and some change, but, you know what? If it means a couple more days and one more game on Wednesday, and they close it out... I'm feeling pretty good about their chances in the second round in terms of the fatigue factor, something that Sean and Sam Bruno was talking about. Uh, but just to transition off, because Game 5 is not till Wednesday, I do just want to bring this up as the Giants swept their way through the Nationals, and they did it in high-scoring fashion. Uh, but I do want to focus on Friday night specifically, because it was a 7 to nothing game from the get-go. From early in the game, 7 to nothing. Jacob Junis making his Giants debut, he was awesome in the game. But there was a moment in the ninth inning where they tried to run a steal with Tyro Estrada, where they stole a bag with him, and then Brandon Crawford ended up getting a hit. It was a hit and run, and Crawford ends up singling... Over the shortstop. Then they throw Tyro Estrada out. And Dave Martinez, the Nationals manager, is walking out. Because this happened with two outs. And he said that the Giants are trying to run up the score. How dare they? Breaking the unwritten rules yet again. And I gotta say, for the past few years, ever since 2016 and, and, and beyond... This team really didn't have that that fire in them. You know, every game it just it didn't feel like that team wanted to be out there. You know, it prior to the uh, prior to the pandemic season, the 2019 year, they just weren't putting any runs on the board, they'd give up early leads and it looked like there was no motivation. I can't believe that this team if they keep on doing this with each passing series, they could turn into that team that breaks the unwritten rules every single series and just pisses the other team off I am all in on that all in if they can frustrate the hell out of these other teams they do it if they want to go deep into the bullpen they do it they are setting the tone and I like it I really do. Now, unfortunately, Steven Duggar put on the 60-day IL. Mike Yastrzemski went on the COVID-19 list, so they ended up calling up uh, Jacob Junis to be in among their starting rotation because Alex Cobb was on the IL. They brought in Luis Gonzalez, who I, I can't help but think of the Luis Gonzalez from the Diamondbacks with the open batting stance as a lefty. I can't help but think of him every time I see Luis Gonzalez uh, out on the field. But look, They got the series sweep, and we can dive more into it. They got a random game against the Brewers in Milwaukee. A one-game series in Milwaukee, and they're unfortunately going to face reigning Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns. And then they got the two games against the A's in the middle of the week. So we're going to have some fun with that Battle of the Bay coming to Oracle Park. But that's going to do it for me, and then we'll also have more updates on the Debo situation as it goes on. Triple 957 9570 is the Xfinity mobile text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Chassier are coming up next with the Morning Roast. You got me and producer Sam Lubman behind the glass for the next three hours. And as always, go sports.